Hallelujah. Setting the mind on the things of the spirit. I don't know which part is this. I know we've come a long way. Hallelujah. All the foundation I laid is to the end that I will preach this one message of today. Hallelujah. Now we know or we now have a clear understanding of the kind of man God created and the intention of God for that man that man in Christ to be found in Christ that man to be found in Christ his son the image of God hallelujah through this union of us coming into oneness with Christ we can exercise dominion we also see that we can we come into the image of God by faith not by works but we come into this union by faith Believing in Jesus whom God has made as the way by which we can know God. We also establish that we, we are saved eternally and nothing can ever separate us from the love with which God has lavished on us in Christ. So today basically we will be attempting to conclude on how to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. Colossians chapter 3 verse 1 to 4. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. Sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Hallelujah. Now the foundation by which we can set our minds... On the things above, meaning the things of the spirit, is our identification with Christ. The basis in which we can position our mind on the things of the spirit is our identification with Christ. When I say I identify with you, what I mean is that I agree with you. What I mean is that I've come to this union with you. I've come into this friendship with you. I've identified myself with you. And the terminology with Christ is mentioned three times in Colossians 1, 3, verse 1 to 4. These four verses, if you look clearly and critically, you see that the word or the phrase with Christ is mentioned three times. Firstly, you know, it says in verse 1, if then you were raised with Christ. First of all, raised with Christ. Verse 2, verse 3 rather. In verse 3 we see it also noted. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. With Christ in God. And then in verse 4 we also will see when Christ who is our life appear, then you also will appear with him. That him there is meaning Christ. Appear with him in glory. So raised with Christ means it has already taken place. Hallelujah. We are not going to be raised, but we are already been raised. That is to the believer, to the believer. It means that you are already what? You are already raised with Christ. 
that's already taken place is a history of the believer. To be hidden with Christ shows the current reality of the believer. First of all, you've been raised with Christ and now you are hidden with Christ in God. Hallelujah. So your location is with Christ where? In God. Hallelujah. You are hidden with Christ in God. And then the third one which says will appear with him in glory is something that is that has not yet happened. Amen? It has not yet happened. It is something that is going to happen. Something that we hope for in the future that will happen. Three dimensions. Something that has happened. Something that currently is our reality. Our position right now. And what we are hoping for will happen in the future. Hallelujah. Good. So, these three mentioned are similar to what is stated in the Bible concerning our salvation. We see in the Bible sometimes in some scriptures, we are saved. Sometimes, you know, you read in the Bible and you say, the Bible stipulates that we've been saved in Christ or by Christ or by God. You know, in the past tense, saved, right? And sometimes we see in scripture, we have been saved, which means it's something that is present, but it's continuing now, it's not a contradiction. Hallelujah. These are things that you must be careful with when you study scriptures. You must understand the context of the word or how it is used and where it is used. And also, sometimes we see in scriptures, we shall be saved. That is a future tense. Hallelujah. The, pre the past tense, the present tense, and what? And the future. And this is often refers, refers to the tenses of salvation that you see from some theologians. So let's, what, let's look at in the scriptures. Let's look at examples of the past tense of salvation. 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 8. 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. The New King James Version. Help me quickly so we can move on. 2 Timothy 1 verse 8. It says, Therefore do not be ashamed. 1 to 8 to 10. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner, but share with me in the suffering for the gospel. According to the power of God, verse 9, who has saved, you see, this saved here is a past tense. Hallelujah. Critically here, specifically here, make sure you have your Bible. Who has what? He has saved us and he has called us. So the Savior and the calling here is something that has already been established with a holy calling. Not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace which was given to us in Christ Jesus before time began, verse 10, the last verse here. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to life through the gospel. Hallelujah. Is a past tense. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5 and verse 8. Another place in scriptures where you know the past tense is used. Ephesians 2 verse 5. Ephesians 2 verse 5. Ephesians 2 verse 5. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 5. Yes. Even when we were dead in trespasses made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Hallelujah. 
Jump to verse 8, verse 8, verse 8, quickly. Verse 8. Verse 8. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. Hallelujah. So we are establishing here that we are saved already. This is the first and the foundation by which God establishes any work in the life of the believer. This is a doorway into the experience that anyone can experience in Christ. It is done once and for all. It is eternal. The believer is saved in heaven with Christ eternally. Hallelujah. This is an established fact. If you are here and you are born again, this is your reality. Amen. What about the present tense? 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18. 1 Corinthians 1 18. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved. Being saved. Earlier on we saw that we are already saved. Hallelujah. But here is saying what? Being saved it is the power of God. Which means that it seems as though the salvation has not been completed. It seems as though something is happening. Hallelujah. But remember I said, the first stage, which is a fundamental thing that God has established in the past tense, is the foundation through which every other experience can be established. So, we who are, you know, who are being saved, referring to the believer here, because there are those who are perishing, who have not yet believed. Hallelujah. So another passage, 2 Corinthians 2.15, we'll see another place where it's using the present tense. It says, For we are to God the fragrance of Christ among those who are being saved. Being saved among those who are perishing. We believers, we Christians, Award, we are fragrance. Wherever we go, people see Jesus. People can sense and smell Jesus. Hallelujah. Then uh, Philippians 2:12, the popular one. Philippians 2:12. Philippians 2:12. Philippians 2 verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. Work out your salvation. You know, work out your salvation with what? With fear and trembling. And we explained this the last time. Meaning that you should do what? You should express what is inside of you. Hallelujah. Bring in to, to fruition, bring into reality what you have already have in, in, in you. Hallelujah. So you cannot have the present or the ongoing work of salvation without first of all experiencing the past tense which is the first work in your life the ongoing the present tense of salvation is not that it's not what justify you hallelujah what god is doing in you right now is not what justifies you is not what brings about forgiveness of sins but actually what brings about your justification, what makes you right with God, is what has already been done in Christ on the cross of Calvary. The past tense of salvation. Hallelujah. So the present tense only helps the believer to reign here on earth. For the believer to have, 
to have effect here on earth. Hallelujah. What about the future tense of salvation? 1 Peter 1 verse 5. 1 Peter 1 verse 5. 1 Peter 1 verse 5. Who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. For salvation. That means the salvation is not in the past. That means the salvation is not now. But the salvation is something that is, for, is in the future. Now, I'm going to bring this thing up together. Don't be confused. The Bible is not contradicting itself. Hallelujah. It's very important that you understand what is happening here. The pastors have, have warned me very well in our meeting that she reduced using Greek words. And I will not go into it. Amen. So just follow the English language like that. We will do past tense and present tense. Present continuous tense to help us understand. So, who kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be what? To be revealed the last time. In the last time. Hallelujah. Another, another scripture, Romans 13, 11. Romans 13, verse 11. Talking about the past tense or the future, rather the future tense of salvation. And do this knowing the time that now is high time to be awake out of sleep. For now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. Now this is talking about something that's futuristic. Salvation is nearer. So what is that salvation that is nearer? Romans 8.21 verse 23 Romans 8 21, verse 23. Verse, yes. Romans 8 21 to 23. It says, Because the creation itself also will be delivered, is salvation here, will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. 22. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with bath pangs together until now. Last verse, verse 23. Not only that, but we also who have the first fruit of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown with ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of what? Of our bodies. Hallelujah. So what will happen in the future? What is it referencing? What is it meaning? What will happen to what? To our physical body. Amen. Hold that thought with you. The last passage here, 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 1 to 11. I'm going to read this all through the 10 verses. 1 Thessalonians 1, 5 rather, verse 1 to 11. 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 11. But concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have known it that I should write to you. For you yourself know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. Amen. It's coming as a what? As a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not what? Are not. That means that the day of the Lord to you is not like a thief in the night. Amen? The people that the day of the Lord will come to them like a thief in the night are those that are not believers. Hallelujah. But for you, you are not what brethren. Brethren means we believers. We are not in darkness so that this day should overtake us as a what? As a thief. So when you hear the word, the Lord is coming like a thief in the night, it's not your... I know the Lord is coming. It's not a, 
He's not coming like a thief. I'm expecting his coming. Hallelujah. If you're a believer and you're not expecting the coming of the Lord, I don't know how you're understanding things, the things of God. You are also sons of light and sons of the day. We are not the night, nor of what? Of darkness. Right? Therefore, let, not, let us not sleep. Now, this sleep is not talking about physical sleep. The darkness here is not even physical darkness. Hallelujah. So, as others do, that is the unbelievers are in darkness and they are sleeping in death, spiritual death. But let us watch and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. And those who get drunk are drunk where? At night. So if you are sons of the night, you get drunk in the night, you do the things of the night, you are, you are darkness yourself. But let us who are of the day be what? Be sober. That means we don't get drunk. Not with alcohol, but with anything that has the capacity to get you drunk. Hallelujah. Including things that are good can get you drunk. Putting on the breastplate of faith and love and has as a helmet the hope of what? The hope of salvation. That means it is something that we are hoping for. A salvation that is in hope. For God did not appoint us for what? For wrath. We that are believers, God has not appointed us for wrath. We are not for destruction. But to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, which is in the future. Futuristic. Who died for us, that whether we are awake or sleep, we should live together with him. Hallelujah. That is the faith. That is the hope of the believer. So the future tense explains what will happen to our physical body at the resurrection. In our traditional theology, we call it the rapture. Amen? Let me leave it there because I'm not teaching rapture today. Are you rapturable? Who is rapturable? Alright. We'll deal with this another time. Amen. Don't love you. So this is talking about what will happen to the physical body, right? When our bodies will be transformed to another body, to another form. Every believer's body, whether dead or alive, will be transformed. Will take on immortality. Hallelujah. That is the body we will live it with. The same body Jesus Christ resurrected with. I can't wait for that body. Where there will be no hunger. Hallelujah. Where we will know all things. Hallelujah. There is no sickness. Sisters, there is no monthly sickness. There is no hunger. Hallelujah. Perfect. In the very image to which God has made Christ to be. Hallelujah. We'll be like him when we see him. Amen. So the past tense seems to deal with the spirit of man. Right? The spirit is made eternally righteous in Christ. The believer cannot be in condemnation. So the first work of God, that is the salvation in this context, listen, I'm not saying that there's a second work of grace. That's not what I'm teaching here. Are we together? What I'm teaching here is that the, what Christ has already done for you, right, has made you eternally safe and secure. Are we together? It has made you whole. It has made you righteous. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are not in condemnation. 
and the presence or the ongoing work of salvation seems to deal with the soul and the mind of man. Remember I said the first one dealt with what? With the spirit of man. Man became born again and the spirit of God come into union with the spirit of man and you are one with him. Hallelujah. So what is happening now in your life is that your mind is transformed. That is what is happening now. The transformation that happens through what? Through knowledge of what Christ has accomplished. Actually, this transformation does not come from this moon. It comes from an understanding of what already has been done in the past. Hallelujah. Therefore, knowledge is key. It's very important. Knowledge of what Christ has accomplished. This happens through what? The instrument of the word. The word of God. It is what we call spiritual growth. Hallelujah. Now, in this process, all of us are not at the same level. Some of us have cooperated so much that God has transformed our minds and our soul by his word. Therefore, our decisions, amen, are properly aligned to the will of the Father because our minds are what? Are transformed. A man can never make a decision beyond the level of the transformation of his mind. Amen. I will see the the, 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 the the quality of your decisions, right? Is dependent on what? On the level of the transformation of your mind. And that can only come by what? By the word of God. By understanding of the word of God. Therefore, it is necessary that the man of God, the woman of God, avail herself himself to the word of God that has a capacity to save the man from what? The delusion of the mind and of the soul. When you're born again, your spirit man is completely righteous and perfect before God, but your mind needs to be transformed by the renewal of what? Of your mind. That you may know what is right and what is wrong. Hallelujah. So this is what happens in the believer. And that is what is meaning being saved. Amen? Spiritual growth. And the future things, of course, deals with the transformation that will happen to the physical body at the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, from Corinthians chapter 3, let's go back to our first Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. It says, If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things that are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. We have been raised with Christ is a reference to the fundamental work that God has done, has already done in man through Christ. What God has already achieved. You being raised with Christ is pointing toward to what Christ has done already in Christ. What God has done already in Christ. The death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ and the result of it. We see Paul establish this in the previous chapters. Let's just go back a little bit and have a context of Colossians chapter 1 verse 13. We'll see where Paul have highlighted it even from the beginning of the, of the book. Colossians chapter 1 verse 13 to 14. Say he has delivered us from the power of darkness. This is what being raised with Christ has resulted. Hallelujah. And it is your reality. It is my reality. He has delivered us from the power of darkness. And conveyed us into the kingdom 
of the son of his love. That means that there's, a, there's, there's, a, there's a transfer that has happened from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of what? Of his dear son. Verse 14. In whom we have what? We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our sins. Then jump to chapter 2, verse 11. We'll see where the conversation continued. Chapter 2, verse 11 to 15. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off of the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcisions of Christ. Not physical. Buried with him in baptism in which you also were raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. Verse 13. And you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he made alive together with him having forgiven all trespasses. Say all my trespasses are forgiven. All my trespasses are forgiven. Having wiped out the handwriting of the requirements that was against us. Which was contrary to us. And he has taken it out of the way. Having nailed it to the cross. Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle of, the, the, of them, triumphing over them in it. Hallelujah. This is what Christ has established in what he did for us. The very, very fundamental work that is done for us. Hallelujah. So we come into the experience, we come into this experience of what Christ has done by what? By faith. True faith. We believe and we identify with Christ and this result is apportioned to us. That is the reality of, 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 of what God has done for us. We don't work for it. It's a gift. Disarming principalities and powers. He made a public spectacle of them. Triumphing over them for our sake. For us. For you, the believer. Hallelujah. Now, from these verses... Verse 1 to 4 of Colossians 3. There are two realities that I want us to see. First, the realities of Christ. Secondly, the reality of the believer. You can see from those verses, the realities of Christ. Verse 1 said, If then you were raised with Christ... So Christ has been raised and is above. Hallelujah. Follow me carefully. Please don't sleep. Christ has been what? Has been raised and he's above. That is what that verse is saying. If then we were raised with Christ, which means that Christ himself has been raised. Seek those things which are above. Right? Where Christ is. Which means that Christ is above. Sitting at the right hand of God. So Christ is raised already and is above. Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Therefore you were buried with Christ. And you also rise, raised, was raised with Christ. Hallelujah. The old man is dead. The man that has been destined for judgment has already been judged. And the judgment is that which Christ has taken for us. Hallelujah. So, you have died. I have died. 
by which when you read yes sorry is is the wrong part yes verse 4 when Christ who is our life yes verse uh, yes verse 3 for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God hallelujah so the believer has died and so born anew the believer is hidden with Christ in God so if there's anything that will come to the believer first of all it will meet Christ because the believer is with Christ then it will meet God because you are in God amen so there's security there's stability it's an assurance of your eternal salvation because you are with God you are with Christ in God and then the believer will appear in glory with him that is with Christ that is the reality of the believer so these realities are what bring certainty to what to the doctrine of our eternal salvation we will appear with him not that we may appear with him but certainly we will appear with him hallelujah so it's not a doubtful stuff there's an assurance that you who are in Christ will appear with him, which means that there's a transformation that will happen to our physical body. Therefore, we are saved eternally. So now, because of this reality of our position, okay, and the assurance of our salvation, the believer is called on to the responsibility of seeking the things which are above. The believer is called to the responsibility of setting his mind on the things that are above. Hallelujah. We are on earth, but we are above. We are in Christ. That is our reality. Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Verse 1. What does seek mean? Colossians 3 verse 1. Let me read Amplified. It says, If then you have been raised with Christ to a new life, thus sharing his resurrection from the dead, aim. That is what it means to seek. Your aim, your almost aim is what? Aim at and seek the rich, what we have obtained. Listen. is rich, eternal treasures that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. We have the capacity to do what to seek and put our focus on these things that Christ has achieved for us because we are there with him. It means to aim. In a typity, it means to yearn for something. Have you ever yearned for something? You know, you desire something. Put your, some translation will say, yes, Christ's resurrection is your resurrection, Yes. This is why we are to yearn for all, not some, the entirety of the things that are above. For that is where Christ sits enthroned at the place of all power, honor, and authority. Good News Translation says, set your heart. Hallelujah. Set your heart. Aim. But unfortunately, many of us are aiming things that are not what is, is our calling. Your calling is not to aim at your academics or work or job. That should not be our goal in life. Our goal is to be set on what? On things that are eternal. Things that have eternal value. Hallelujah. Verse 2. 
says what? Says set the mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth, which means that there are things on the earth. Amen. Pastor Emmanuel taught us eight weeks ago, exactly eight weeks or seven weeks ago, thereabout. He gave us an example, right? The believer is born again, but is to follow Christ. Leaving behind him the dead man and his deeds and keep following God, Christ, with all that he has. Walking with him. That is our position. Walking with him, setting our focus and our mind on things that are above. Things that are in Christ. Things that Christ have, have, have achieved for us. The dominion, the power, the authority. All this is a package we have in our salvation. But unfortunately, many of us are not enjoying the entire package. Hallelujah. So the goal of, 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 of being in the spirit or walking in the spirit or setting our minds on things of the spirit is to reveal to us the things we have in Christ. That we will properly position ourselves to enjoy the benefits of the things that we have in Christ. Hallelujah. That is why we needed to clarify some obstacles that may be on our way. For example, now, am I eternally saved? We need to clear away that roadblock to give us clarity of vision to what Christ has achieved for us. That is why we needed to clear away the, the, the what do you call it? A lot of obstacles on our path. There are others actually. But I think these are the major. The King, all King James, verse 2, the all King James, says, set your affection on the things that are above. Set your word, your affection. If the affection is yours, you know, some of us, the moment we are in love, you know what happens to us when we are in love? Nothing makes sense again. The only thing that makes sense to you is that girl. When you are praying, you are thinking about her. When you are eating, you are thinking about her. It's not an accident. You choose to set your affection on her. Setting an affection is a choice. You have control over your affection. Hallelujah. So whatever is controlling your affection, you allow it to control your affection. Therefore, you have the capacity by the help of the Holy Ghost to set that affection on things that have eternal value. Some of us, are, affection is on, on academics. I'm not bashing academics. We are schooling. Are we not schooling? We are schooling, right? And we are not failing. Hallelujah. Affection cannot be on money. We are not poor. We are making money. The love of money is what? Is a root of not some evil, all. In fact, in the Bible, whenever you see money is mentioned, you see God is mentioned by the side. That is the level at which money has capacity and power on man. So money is placed at equal value with God. So I have to choose one. And when your heart is on money, it means that your heart cannot be on God because you cannot serve two masters. At the same time, you either hate one or you do what? Or you love one. Hallelujah. So your affection cannot be on things that are temporal. Set your affection. 
the NLT says, think about things of heaven. Think about, meditate upon the things of heaven. Things that are above. TPT, put it this way. Yes, feast on all treasures. It's a treasure. Yes, feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities. Hallelujah. Fill your thoughts always. The reason why you find yourself doing things that are contrary to the will of God for you is because your mind is on those things. Hallelujah. If your affection is not on food, food cannot be your weak point. Amen. If your heart is not positioned towards going to Famagusta, there's no how the devil will tempt you to go there. Hallelujah. So we must ensure that our hearts, our thoughts, what do you think about? Sometimes we say here that you must always think about the things you are thinking about. You must practice the art of thinking about the things you are thinking about because those things you think about controls your life and it shapes your life. It shapes your realities. So therefore, the believer must feast on all the treasures of the heavenly realm and fill your thoughts with heavenly realities and not with the destruction of the natural realm. Arti realm. The earthly realm is full of distractions. There are 1,001 things that can distract you from the main thing. Only if the devil can give you what is good and what, not what is right for you, then he has distracted you. Hallelujah. So can we trust the Holy Ghost to help us to do away with distraction? That our mind will be set on heavenly things. Now, setting the mind and seeking and seeking the things above does not necessarily mean two different things. Amen? But, but an emphasis on what the believer must do. Hallelujah. Some of us can set our minds on the things of the above because we are in church, so our minds on the things that is above, but we are not seeking it. Hallelujah. So, your mind can be on the things that are above, but you are not seeking it. Seeking it will mean to seek something, you are desperately in need of it. You put yourself in a position where you are desperate about it, and it's your aim, it's your priority to obtain and to see the result of those realities manifested in your life as a believer. Hallelujah. I don't know whether time will permit us to do this. It is not a suggestion for the believer. Hallelujah. It is not a suggestion. It is not uh, maybe you can set your mind on the things that are above. It's an instruction to the believer. It's a command to the believer. It is, it is what is ideal for the believer. Hallelujah. So what are the things on the earth? We can ask this question. What are the things on the earth? And what are the things that are above? That the emphasis and the commandment, the instruction for us to set our minds on. Look at the things that are things that are on the earth. From verse 5 to verse 11 is an enumeration of the things on the earth. Give me verse 5 to 11 in Amplified. Let's look at them quickly. We'll just read and we go. Next time we'll go into them detailly another time. So put to death and deprive of the power 
deprived of power, the evil longings of your earthly body. See, your physical body has a longing. Hallelujah. The Orkin James will say, mortify. Put to death. Mortification means to make it in a condition where it cannot live. You know what a mortician is? Undertakers. Not the wrestler. Hallelujah. Undertakers, what they do is that they, morticians, what they do is that they prepare burial. Hallelujah. So your job, one of your primary assignment is to be a mortician of your flesh. Amen. Constantly remind your body that it is dead because verse 3, you have died. Hallelujah. Your reality is what? Is dead. I'm a dead man. The reason why we misbehave is because we usually forget that we are, we've died. That's our challenge as believers. All of us, we are dead men alive in Christ. Hallelujah. So, you must constantly remind yourself that I'm a mortician of my flesh. I put to death the, the, and deprive of power the evil longings because the physical body, remember, is not born again. That is why it shall be saved. But if not dealt with right now, it will deprive you of enjoying the benefit of the things you already have in Christ. Therefore, you must put it at its rightful place in the grave. Paul will say, I die what? Daily. Verse 5. I have not finished with verse 5. So put to death and deprive of the evil longings of your earthly body. All of us, we have these evil longings. If you don't have, then we can pray for you. We'll send you to heaven. Hallelujah. So, the evil longings of the earthly body with essential self-centered instincts, immorality, that's sexual immorality, impurity, sinful passion, evil desires, and greed, which is a kind of idolatry because it replaces your devotion to God. Hallelujah. Whatever seems to be replacing your devotion to God is an idol in your life. And it's what is earthly. Amen. Your job can be an idol because it's replacing your word, it's replacing your devotion to God, it's fighting for space with God. Because of these sinful things, the divine wrath of God is coming on the sons of disobedience. Now, that is not you. Because you are not a son of disobedience. Those who fail to listen and who routinely and obstinately, obstinately means they rebel against the truth. They know the truth, but they refuse to believe the truth. That's been obstinate. Disregard for God's precepts, particularly the salvation message. Hallelujah. Verse 7. And in these sinful things, you also once walk. That was our former address before we came to know Christ. Hallelujah. We once walk when we were when we were habitually living in them without the knowledge of Christ. So the knowledge of Christ brings you into what? Deliverance from this kind of life. So you as a believer cannot, should not live in this kind of life. Hallelujah. Verse 8. But now, rid yourself completely of all these things. Anger. Now the previous set 
right? The previous categories has to do with us, the us, in us, for us, happening to us. Now, this goes to others. Hallelujah. Anger, you know, you know, I'm an angry person. In our family, we have anger. I'm not saying my family, but that could be somebody's testimony, you know. When I get angry, things get messy. You know, if not because of God. The things I could have shown you. Hallelujah. Sometimes we just put this salvation and, and settle scores, right? Get rid of that anger. You have the capacity to get rid of it. Hallelujah. It's not genetic. Amen. You have a new DNA in Christ. Hallelujah. So that is not your lifestyle. You can't be defined by anger. If you're a brother in the Lord and people know you as an angry person, there's a problem. Maybe you're not born again. Really? Really? Or if you're born again, then you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to be in you, to control you, to take charge of your life. You're not submitting to the influence of the Spirit of God. Anger, rage, malice. Somebody offends you. It takes more than a community to come and beg you and you still will not forgive even your leaders even your friends your fa some of us we are even keeping malice of our parents that are even sponsoring us it means that you are not a believer it means that you are, not, you are acting out of, out of character amen you are acting out of character and out of order slander when you pick somebody's news You become Fox News. You know, recently they paid some money, right? For a news that they be educated now. Uh, slandering, you know, don't slander people because that's not your identity, right? Absence, talk, abusive talk, filthy, vulgar language from your mouth. People can hardly know, are you this person that is talking? Are you born again? I mean, you swear like it's your identity, you are a swearer. Something small. Jesus! I'm not calling anybody's name. You know yourself. And it's a comedy for people. You, you hear comedies. Jesus, all those, they, they use words without understanding the intensity and the, the revelation behind the name. So a believer does not talk anyhow. Hallelujah. You don't talk anyhow. That's not your identity. You've left that place. Amen. You've left that address. That's not your address. Do not lie. Hey, some people, even, even, even in this church, you come to a, a pastor. Some of you lie to us. We know you are lying. You know, it's sweet hearing somebody lying to you. And you know the truth. You know, you lie with ease the slightest opportunity you have lied more than three times you know, you're acting out of order hallelujah tell your neighbors change your ways I must change my ways hallelujah you will feel offended that's what I've been setting you up for all these weeks and God saved you because of time we will return back to it hallelujah Hallelujah. Oh Lord. 
I respect time. Let's rise on our feet. We are coming back to this. We'll finish this again. We'll finish this another time. Hallelujah. Let's rise on our feet. Say, Lord, help my life. Help my life, Lord. I really want to walk by the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh. The flesh is not my address. The flesh is not my reality. Just speak this out. Affirm this word. So I walk by the Spirit. I don't give myself to the things of the Spirit. To the things of the flesh, rather. I don't walk in immorality and loss of the flesh. See, Pastor Carson have, have, have touched some of the sermon earlier on talking about immorality, sexual immorality. We cannot deny it in a youthful environment like this. We can't ignore it, rather. Hallelujah. You are here and you are living it with a man that is not your husband. You are sinning. It's not fun. No circumstances in heaven and on earth should make you do that. Some of you say, oh, I don't have money for rent. They play. <laughs> Hallelujah. I mean, let's speak our language, right? Listen. You may say I'm saved, right? Therefore, I can live like that. But you can't avoid the consequences of that action. Hallelujah. It's not about your eternal, your eternal salvation. That's not what we're, we've passed that level. But I'm assuring you, by the word of God, you will reap what you sow. It's a principle. You can't avoid that. Hallelujah. If you like, keep doing it. They play. Hallelujah. You will reap the consequences of it. Your disobedience to authority, you reap the consequences of it. You are disobedient to the word of God, you reap the consequences of it. You enter heaven like one that enters with bullet wounds. That's how you enter heaven. No reward. And in this life, you will suffer. I'm telling you the truth, you will suffer. Wisdom is the word. Hallelujah. Say, I live by the word. I know you are challenged. Make it a duty that I'm going to live by the word of God. Somebody will feel here, oh, I've lived in this life. But you see, in Christ, there's room for you to start a new start. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Christ, we have the capacity to start again. So just speak to God. Acknowledge your wrong and see Jesus as a solution. Amen. See Jesus as a solution. Say, Jesus, thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for forgiving my sins. Thank you for forgiving my sins. In my ignorance, 